With the recent wave of euphoria about autonomous cars, many people have imagined, indeed verging on fantasies, about the potential for motoring utopia, chauffeur-style travel for all your needs. Of course, it's not that simple. The international consulting firm WSP, who were formerly WSP Parsons Brinkerhoff, have just published a white paper titled New Mobility Now, A Practical Guide. It was launched at the ITS World Conference in 2017 in Montreal. Scott Benjamin is WSP's Technical Director for Intelligent Transport in Australia and New Zealand and had a big hand in the report, and he has been travelling the world talking about its implications. Scott, who's been on the program before, joins us on the line now. Scott, thanks very much for your time. Thanks, David. Glad to join you. Uh, I noticed in the covering introduction to it, it was mentioned that, of course, we have to address the fact that new technologies will be applied differently in different areas. It's just not a one-size-fits-all, is it? No, absolutely. Everyone's at a, at a different point um, with, you know, as we always are globally with transport. We say it's a derived demand, but obviously, uh, you know, that's, that's one view or one, one consideration of transport. What we're seeing is uh, real shifts and significant shifts in uh, some of the development of cities, societal needs and wants, and, and including uh, access to technology, which is changing people's opinions on what they then might expect out of their transport systems. So it's not just a case of automating or even roboticising, if you like, uh, what we do at the moment. It could change patterns and have a very broad impact. Absolutely. We we actually think that you know the the opportunity with shared mobility is far greater in term, terms of bringing around a shift in pattern and use of our transport networks than what we would expect from automated vehicles. Look, uh, certainly there's some great opportunities with uh, connected and automated vehicles, safety benefits, uh, but you know the other societal opportunities uh, in terms of uh, lowering congestion and giving better access to communities that perhaps haven't had uh, you know as good of access to transport options as before is is really substantial. So much more than than automation. You have five areas you're looking at one of which was autonomous, but there's others as well, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. So we described it as uh, five pillars or or really four key factors that have been considered globally. And and this is perhaps not unique. And I I can remember the the chairman from Ertico commenting on these four main four factors um, at the opening of the World Congress in Bordeaux a couple of years ago to say that our future will be connected, automated, shared and electric and really those are the very much the same four elements that we're talking about um, in our report but the fifth one which is really key uh, to us uh, and is becoming clearer over time is the business model so really this is the fifth pillar is the key thing that holds all this together that at times you know we could probably think of many occasions that we've seen great technical advancements or Uh, shifts in needs in society, but without appropriate business models. uh, And that would be supported with legislation, um, you know, standards uh, and a whole range of other supporting apparatus. But without the business models to drive this, um, we won't recognise these opportunities as clearly as as what we we would uh, have in the past. So there's a big shift there to 
uh, opportunity with private sector and a big shift in terms of government and its role as an enabler into the future. Well, you see, business will take up technology, but they may do it in a way that we don't expect or ultimately may not have the ultimate community benefits that we may like. So we have to understand business models for knowing what directions that may push us in, but also good business models to try and facilitate the best directions. Is that the sort of issues you've addressed? Yeah, exactly. It's something that we describe, look, in the, the very end of the report as as the springboard. Um, we, we talk about there being a, a roadmap at the very end of the report, which is to bring you through sort of a, a journey of firstly questioning your your need and uh, ultimately uh, what you want to uh, achieve um, by considering these factors. Go through and understand the appetite you have for change within the organisations that are involved, thinking about how to collaborate and adapt. So adapt what you already have, but finally and consciously to look for springboards, which is perhaps... um, you know, something that encapsulates a problem that encapsulates something uh, for that group or um, of organisations, or it could be a, a local government area, um, a problem that encapsulates a lot of the issues you're dealing with and seek to find a solution to solve that one problem. Um, this isn't a, a new idea. We've been working with this in, in uh, some of the software development we've been doing in transport industry over, over the last few years in agile development. Don't try to solve all the world's problems. Pick one that, that is representative and you think is achievable and, and in within the, the, uh, the range of control or influence that you have as a group and work through solving that problem. It is a case, isn't it? Autonomous vehicles is merely a technology. How we use it, such as sharing, becomes a, a, a very interesting area of which the market may use. But how we use it in sharing is also how the government policy might want us to use it so that we have a better standard of living, a better quality of life, which is a much broader principle than just, hey, I'll do my standard trip, only this time the car will do the driving. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And Back to what you were saying a bit, a bit earlier, it's understanding that as a business model. If we can see many of those business models or opportunities presented to solve problems, it helps us understand that in a much more meaningful way. Um, we can have statements from a government agency to say, we believe this is a role um, and that, that we'd like to see services come forward that fulfil these types of uh, functions and, and provide this sort of access to, to transport um, but unless we actually see and experience and have end users um, working with um, and, and feeding back to those organisations, and, and the best way to do that is through real-world private private sector um, application of those services, and so actually dealing in, in real life with those business models um, rather than standing back and, and uh, having an abstracted view from that. Mm. Dealing in real life. I love that expression. Absolutely right. We learnt at the AITPM National Conference where we were talking to someone like Uber who were providing something, but there are some situations that the government might want for the quality of life, 
that are not going to maximise Uber's profit. That's not to say they shouldn't make a profit, but it's to say that there has to be some understanding from both sides, which may lead to some regulation, but not a total constriction, because maybe Uber understands what government is coming from and government understands where Uber is coming from. Picking Uber is just one example. Yeah, it's a, look, it's a really interesting space at the moment. We've seen um, you know, a lot of discussion uh, about Uber in many states and uh, still a lot of contention uh, you know, in London, for instance, and, and many other parts of the world. Mm. Um, there'd be an ongoing discussion. Some of the discussions we've been having globally and San Francisco is one area that's always interesting to look at just because of proximity to... to uh, technology um, uh, visionaries and, and, uh, and new business models. Uh, and they've, they've always had an appetite to uh, allow um, and encourage those industries. So seeing how they deal with that rapid change is, is really interesting. And it's a careful balance uh, between uh, allowing promotion of services and some level of protection for the end users. Um, and we've been involved in um, managing portals and access to services in, in San Francisco for for a number of the local uh, government agencies there. It's 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 a really fine balance, a very interesting scenario. Um, um, ultimately, government wants to see uh, wants to see competition. No one wants to see the situation uh, where we we end up with in a in a monopolised market um, that perhaps doesn't offer great value to the end users um, or, or to uh, to taxpayers in the longer term. So it's a difficult balance to achieve. Yeah, it's not only the lowest price either. It is also that if you have a monopoly, you can ultimately become the gatekeeper for other businesses, which is something perhaps we might talk about. But your, your approach really looked at practical things, didn't it? And I think you've covered that in some way. This isn't just a theoretical. You've actually, and your company, has worked in a very wide situation and you interviewed for this report a wide number of people to make sure that you were getting a breadth. Do you think that came out in the report? I think so. We're happy with with the way it came across. So I think um, between sixty to seventy um, key contributors or interviews um, that were held held globally. Um, look around a dozen in Australia and New Zealand, uh, from uh, look, government agencies, uh, road operators, transport operators. Um, also, uh, academics um, and a whole range from the private private sector. So you can sort of see that that amalgam of views. It it gave us uh, with early interviews the opportunity to test and try other questions or or, or uh, contentions in discussion, uh, which is an interesting process to see how it how it evolves. But we're we're broadly uh, happy with with the way that's that's come across. So I think the key thing for us is continuing to learn by doing and finding the partnerships um, here in Australia and globally to allow our partners here in Australia to experience and interact with other global partners um, in a way that hasn't been possible other than at a, a very high strategic level, but actually how do we learn more at a very practical level. So uh, as well as the report itself, um, you know, recently travelling and seeing 
implementation uh, and, and uh, test beds that we've been involved in in Michigan, um, like the Umtree Safety Pilot Project, M-City and American Centre for Mobility, as well as, um, you know, speaking to some of the pro, uh, people involved in projects around San Francisco has, has been um, a great opportunity for us and, and uh, some of our, our clients and other stakeholders travelling with us. Um, so really uh, always important to see these things firsthand and to understand them at a very practical level um, to see what, what is usable here for us. Uh, it doesn't all translate seamlessly uh, and we, we need to uh, continue to look to ways to, to communicate better and, and find those uh, key things that can translate and, and ultimately help uh, society locally. Process. I love that concept. It's not just one grand idea that you then try and ram down people's throats. Scott, uh, that's been very helpful and I really appreciate your time and uh, I appreciate the whole report. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, David.